Welcome, this is the Change Creator Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Change Creator Podcast show. This is your host, Adam Force. And if you missed last week's episode, it's with Heather Dominique. And we talk about how to scale your business as a highly sensitive entrepreneur. Really great conversation. So check that out when you get a chance. And today we're going to be talking with Paxton Gray. He's the executive vice president of operations at 97th Floor. Um, and he covers all kinds of work uh, that the agency produces for clients like Discover, ESPN, Salesforce, you name it. Um, he's full of incredible insights when it comes to marketing and digital work like content strategies, SEO, and all that good stuff. So you guys are going to learn a lot and we're going to have a really fun conversation with Paxton today, which we're going to jump into right now, keeping this intro short and sweet today. Okay, show me the heat. I know you're going to dig this. Hey, Paxton, welcome to the Change Creator Podcast show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing awesome, man. Um, you know, another day, another dollar, living life. <laughs> um, you know, you have so much cool experience. Um, and I just, I actually, I really like the name 97th floor as well. So um, why, don't you, why don't you just tell us what you are uh, doing today, not today specifically, but like what's going on in your world at this time and, and where you're at? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I've uh, been here at 97 floor for six years. Uh, we've been around as an agency for 14 and uh, you know, we focus primarily on, on digital marketing. And so that's, that's where my head is uh, thinking, you know, how do we leverage all the different platforms and, and tools within the digital space to uh, get results. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm living, what I'm working on uh, trying to uh, help grow nice and floor to be even bigger than it is. Awesome. Awesome. I am curious, you know, I I actually, that triggers a number of questions, but before we get into it, um, you know, what got you into the marketing space? What led you to 97th floor? Just a little background would be helpful to know where you're coming from. Yeah. So, uh, I studied advertising actually, um, at a a university uh, here in Utah. And my plan was always to go work at the big, sexy New York advertising agency. You know, that, that's kind of where I wanted to end up at Ogilvy or, uh, um, shy day. I mean, those aren't New York, but um, you get what I'm saying. So that was, that was kind of my plan. And, uh, I started looking around for internships in New York and Chicago. And, uh, then I, you know, I got, I also got engaged uh, around that same time to a girl that hates the idea of living in a big city. Um, <laughs> Like her, her ideal is to like go have a bunch of horses and live on a giant ranch. Ah, that's what she wants. So, uh, so I stopped looking for internships uh, in New York and Chicago because she didn't want to go there. Uh, and instead, I looked for places around uh, here in Utah. And I found this company called 97 Floor. And I was like, that sounds like the big sexy New York agency <laughs> I was to work at, you know? Um, so, so I applied and uh, it, Anyway, so I started working nice on floor and, and, and back then it, it wasn't even close to being, you know, that big, sexy, giant agency. It was a very small shop at the time. Uh, I think I was like employee number 12. And uh, uh, I realized, however, that if, if I could, this, like this agency has potential, like uh, really cool services. The market is growing really well, awesome talent. Um, and if I stuck it out and I worked my butt off, I could maybe turn it into the big sexy agency that I always wanted to work at. Um, and you know, I don't think we're 100% there, you know, we're still growing, uh, but you know, we have an office out in San Francisco, hopefully in a couple of years, we'll be out in New York as well. So we're getting there. 
Excellent. Excellent. And, and so my question would be, are you actually on the 97th floor? <laughs> no, or not. Uh, <laughs> that, the tallest building in, in Utah, I think, is 36 floors. So, yeah, it's not even a nice <laughs> floor. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Um, it, so do you know where the name came from? Yeah. So when our founder, so we started uh, 14 years ago this September and uh, back then it was just our founder, you know, he was kind of running a one man show and uh, he, he wanted to give it like an LA New York type vibe. And uh, I believe he was planning on calling it the 100th floor. And his wife uh, said, yeah, that doesn't sound very good. Like it doesn't roll off the tongue. 97 rolls off the tongue way better than 100. Yeah. Uh, and so he's like, all right, check for the domain name. It was available and boom, that was it. That's it. Awesome. But, That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. So when you got there, I mean, what, like what was going on at the time? Like, can you describe for us the environment there and, and what you guys were working on? Yeah. So, um, it, it was very much and still is about results. You know, we're always focused on how do we get results for clients? Not, just how do we make a ton of money or how do we just get hours to bill? Uh, all of our contracts are based off of results. And so that leads into like a very scrappy, innovative testing type um, culture. And that's kind of what I walked into um, kind of anything went as long as it worked. So there was no bad ideas or it was just experiments and trying new things. And so there were some areas we were a little rough around the edges, but by and large, you know, we just, we were really good at getting the job done. And that's kind of been our focus always is just getting the job done. And so that's kind of what I walked into. Uh, there was a time, in fact, it's kind of a funny story is my third week there. Um, we were using a couple different tool sets and I won't bother you with particulars, but I found this weird loophole and how to use a couple tools with each other uh, yeah. to get some really cool results. And it was working really well but it ended up getting like, I uh, didn't realize that we were being billed for all this, these APIs call, calls that we were making on this yeah. one tool. And we, we got a, a, a bill from this uh, tool for like a $6,500. Uh, so <laughs> my third week there, I was like, boom, I, I, I was a huge liability. You're welcome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but our CEO, I mean, to his credit, he's like, Hey man, that's what, that's what it's all about. It's all about testing and trying things. And I love that you're experimenting. And so that, that to me cemented in the idea of, nothing's, you know, nothing's, uh, not worth trying. Yeah, no, that's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, so what you, it was just some kind of like marketing stuff you were trying to pull off or what, what was it? Yeah. Uh, so, um, back then I, I, we did a lot of link building, which if you're familiar with SEO, you know, link links are important for ranking. And I was doing some outreach and I discovered, well, we have, we had one tool that allowed us to, uh, find the email addresses for uh, editors and publishers. Yeah. And then we had another tool that allowed us to scrape all the backlinks of our competitors. And so I figured out that I could scrape all the backlinks of our competitors, get, get thousands and thousands of URLs, and then stuff all those URLs into this other tool that was basically an email scraper. So I could walk away with, you know, 20,000 email addresses of publishers and um, <laughs> editors, and then I could just hit them up just all day. And, uh, what I didn't realize is that the the email scraper charged per scrape, and so Ooh. when I when I stuffed twenty thousand URLs into it, uh, we got a giant bill. But it worked out. We got well, I got good results, and right. So you got the return on it. Yeah, we got the return. Just a little unexpected cost there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but that's pretty cool. So, like, what was your role when you started there? 
Uh, so my role when I started was uh, SEO marketer. So okay, basically so yeah, it, doing, doing the link building, doing the optimizations, kind of doing all the legwork for SEO. And how have you been seeing now the evolution of the marketing space? You know, we're talking, we got a lot of entrepreneurs listening here and obviously marketing is a very important part of any business. And I'm just curious from your experience, you know, we'll just tap into the SEO conversation for a minute. Um, just how you see things changing. Like, do you still focus on, you know, link building or how has the dynamic changed in your mind over the years? Yeah. So uh, link building is still uh, an important part of SEO. We have oodles and oodles of data that show that pages that have good links pointing back to them do rank well. So it's still a big part of the algorithm. Yeah. Um, it's gotten a lot more complex than it was back when I started 11 years ago, for sure. Like back then we were <laughs> keyword stuffing and putting words in meta keyword tags and all that good stuff. Yep. And, um, but these days, you know, I, I think, uh, as long as you have your bases covered and, and you're, you've got your title tags great and they're formatted well, and you've got good user experience. I think it's much better to focus on the content necessarily than, than the particulars of SEO. Um, that was something that we learned uh, a couple of years ago. There's a system called TFIDF, the term frequency inverse document frequency analysis, where essentially you are using a bunch of data to figure out what you should write the page about to give it the best shot of ranking as possible. <laughs> yeah. You were using that and, and it was working. Like we could get these pages to rank. However, we were so focused on the content um, being formatted to rank well and not focused enough on the content actually being good. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, so we've made a, a pretty big pivot over the past couple of years into, Hey, that's still good to know, but Primarily, what we want is great content that is going to actually incite action once the user visits and reads, rather than just merely attracting eyeballs. Because if you attract eyeballs and it's not good content, that's not good for your brand. It's not. It's a, that's a waste, right? Um, so, yeah. 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 So I'd say, uh, from an SEO perspective, like still know what you're doing. Still, I I, I would say right. consult a professional, get people involved because you can make some pretty serious mistakes that will cost you a lot of money. But then beyond that, I think uh, it's really important to focus on the content, the message, and the user experience once they actually come yeah. to your site. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, uh, my co-founder is really into the SEO stuff um, and knows it well. Thank God, because I have no idea. And um, <laughs> it's not where my brain goes, right? And, yeah. um, you know, we, we do, we think about our titles and stuff, but it is really thinking, like you said, it's like, who is this for and what purpose does it really serve? And you know, like, what are they getting out of it? So as long as it really speaks to them. And then she's always like, at least have a good a title in there that's, <laughs> that can help yeah. rank and get, get noticed because you want to, you know, you want to get uh, picked up by, by Google. And, and we do get like a pretty good high value on like a, uh, the worth of our, our content. Um, mm -hmm. So it does make a difference. And interestingly enough, like we were running a Facebook campaign to sell one of our programs. And as people came in on the early days, I would reach out and say, hey, how did you find us and talk to them? And I was like, I hope I was hoping it was our Facebook strategy. And it was always the content marketing that was bringing people in. So content yeah. wins, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, there are so many articles out there that will tell you that the market is just oversaturated and it's not worth the investment to do content marketing because you have to do so much to stand out. And, I, you know, all the data that they pull that say, hey, the internet is growing by 15 million pages a day. The vast majority of those pages are just 
computer-generated pages that will never be seen by anybody. And the other half are just a bunch of crap articles that were written by people who <laughs> don't care about the user. I don't think it's... I mean, I think it's, it's, it's definitely worth the investment to have some good content. Um, like I, I, got a, I got an iPad recently and I was like searching for some cool creative things to do with an iPad. And yeah. um, so I searched for that on Google. And I can't tell you, like the vast majority of them said things like, buy a screen protector, get, get a cover for your iPad. It's like, dude, are you serious? Like, you don't think I've just thought about that already? Like <laughs> you, you clearly don't care about me. You're just trying to get my view so that your ads, you can get some ad revenue. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I so see like, that all the time too. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. So just caring about the user and, and, um, you know, keyword research is something that is used by SEO and PPC very heavily for obvious reasons. Um, but it's not used enough by content marketing. Um, and, and Google is that special tool in our lives that we ask questions from Google that we don't ask anybody else. And so that query data that you can get from Google is so important from a content perspective. Because if you see people are asking this question over and over and over again, let's give this some great content to answer that question. Let's yeah. help make their lives better. And that will attract an audience and develop a really good brand relationship. And hopefully people will get into the funnel and convert, you know. Exactly. Um, rather than just saying like, Hey, let's use this keyword research to, so they can rank, like pick some keywords, uh, the high volume keywords to rank for. Um, yeah, yeah exactly. Which, which has its place and has its merits, but using it, like looking at that data from a content marketing perspective, I think is, is really valuable. Okay. And are there any tools you would recommend that people might want to check out to help support, you know, their efforts in, <laughs> in that journey? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, there's lots of lots of cool tools around that. Ahrefs has some really great data on keywords. Yep. My my favorite is Spyfu, um, and the reason I love Spyfu is because it was actually built for PPC kind of intelligence, but they have this uh, organic part of the site, and uh, the data is just so fast. And and Spyfu is so cheap. So if you're you know if you're an entrepreneur and you're trying to decrease the cost of your marketing stack. SpyFu is a great way to do it. It's only, I think it's like 30 bucks a month and they have really great data really fast and gives you everything you need. Cool. Um, yeah. Isn't it? Cause Ahrefs is, we use Ahrefs, but it's pretty expensive, isn't it? I don't remember how much it is every month. Yeah, it is. I mean, and it, they have different levels, but it's, it's definitely more, more expensive than SpyFu. Yeah. 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 Um, and then beyond that, I actually have um, a template that was built for use with SpyFu to where you can kind of run some data, export it, and then shove all that data into a template. And it will sort through all of it for you and find the best keyword opportunities. Um, Cause that, it kind of allows you to sort through, you know, 40,000 rows of data in, in 10 minutes as opposed to one by one. So it's a really cool uh, template that I can share with your users. I, I have a, a URL that I can give you afterwards. Um, where they cool. can go I mean, is it like, do you have to be some kind of super user to figure it out? No, I actually, within that template, I also have, there's a link to a, a YouTube video where I can uh, walk <laughs> everybody through how to use it. So it's You're really, thorough. yeah. So I, I teach a course actually at, at a university around here uh, and it's intro to SEO and analytics. And I teach them that exact same process for keyword research. And so I've, I've, I've taught a lot. Um, so nice. it's very, very easy. Anybody can do it. So, you know, one question I, you know, see, as we think about being entrepreneurs and building up our marketing and stuff, um, you know, you got to pick and choose where you're spending your time. And 
Mm. I mean, would you recommend like, hey, you should have some basic understanding of these things and these tools. You might be a small team. So you guys are like, obviously you wear multiple hats. Um, but do you, I, I have noticed too, like it can be really tough when you try to bring on somebody. There's a lot of like swindlers in the SEO space and yeah. any advice on like, is it worth hiring people or should you kind of get basic knowledge yourself? Um, I think it depends on what stage you're at. So if you're, if you're the solopreneur, uh, kind of stage, you're just doing it by yourself. I think it's far more valuable to just focus on your audience and, uh, focus on what do they need and what kind of, what can I give them to make their lives better? And in that way, build, build, build a good audience and build a fan base. That's going to be a way better investment every time than figuring out the ins and outs of SEO. Um, and then, you know, once you've gone on past that stage and you have some more time on your hands to focus towards marketing, I think it would be a good idea to learn, learn the basics, but just enough so you don't get swindled, you know? Um, <laughs> and I think a, a really great way to dip your toe into it is to hire a consultant that you trust uh, to just come in and do a real quick once over and just say, right. hey, what, are, what are the big things I should focus on? And then yeah. when you go out to shop, shop some agencies compare what they say against what that consultant you said uh, that you trust what they yeah. said. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really great way to save yourself some time and avoid people who are just in it for a quick buck. Absolutely. Yeah. When I, um, when I built up stuff on my own and I didn't know anything, I had all these articles and all this stuff going on. And then Amy came in and she was like, Oh man, we got to fix all this. <laughs> so <laughs> it was a mess, you know, so you can end yeah. up creating more work or hurt your, your site, uh, your websites, you know, effectiveness. Um, if you don't always take a little bit of time just to get a basic understanding. So I, I think your, your flow of like where you are and what you should do, makes a lot of good sense. That's helpful. Yeah. Um, yes. So, you know, as you now, are you, obviously you're still doing a lot of that. Is that still a big focus for you at 97th floor at this point? Um, in terms of SEO? Yeah. I mean, you're right now your executive vice president, right? Uh, yes. Mm -hmm. So yep. you're, you're focused on operations. So I guess you've expanded far beyond just the SEO focus. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not involved too much in the day-to-day -day of SEO. Um, yeah. but I do, I mean, I do, I, I'm very aware of, uh, kind of what's going on in the industry. Um, I kind of view my job rather than, uh, the execution. My job is to keep us on the cutting edge of, of marketing strategies in SEO, PPC, marketing automation, and content marketing. And so I'm, you know, I'm constantly consuming uh, uh, media to, to kind of help spark those ideas and to test out new things. And so, uh, yeah, I'm very aware of what's going on in the industry, but yeah, I, I'm not uh, from a day-to-day -day perspective right. involved right. much. Okay. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And so, you know, as far as like, so you've gone through a process of like building a, an effective team. Um, and I guess, you know, I, I like what you just mentioned, which is, that, you know, you're, you're leaning into the understanding what's cutting edge for content marketing, but also automation. Um, so I guess I, I like to talk a little bit about the content marketing automation and what you're seeing is going on today. And if there's anything that we can you know, get from your insights there, that would be cool. And then I'd like to talk about, well, as we're starting to build our teams, like what should we be looking for around these things? Yeah. Yeah. With marketing automation, um, so much opportunity out there right now. And the barrier to entry is, is getting so much lower um, than it has ever been in the past to where, you know, if you're, if you're a, a medium sized business, yeah. you know, if you've got, if you have at least one or two people on your marketing team, 
you should be getting into marketing automation because if you don't, you're leaving a lot of, a lot of money on the table. Okay. Um, it's also, it's also a way to quickly make your business look really bad. If you don't do a good job with marketing automation. Yeah. Um, in, in a sense, uh, you know, I, I used to have a much more simplistic view of market automation. Uh, you know, the idea of, yeah, someone comes to this page, they download an ebook, they get uh, an automated email from me, bing, bang, boom, they become a customer. Pretty simple. And yeah. um, I, I've been uh, uh, very corrected in terms of how simple it, it actually is. I mean, it can be very simple depending on your, your sales cycle and, and your objectives, but uh, market automation is much more akin to uh, uh, computer programming than it is, uh, uh, content marketing in my opinion. Um, because yeah. you have to, you have to get that logic correct. Cause if you, if your logic is off in terms of the flow and the automation and the triggers, then you're going to make your business look really stupid. Even if your content is great, if you <laughs> deliver the wrong message at the wrong time, because your logic is off, yeah, it, the the potential for downfall is high. Um, so I would say uh, if you, if you're going to dip your toe into marketing automation and you're going to do it yourself, keep it as simple as possible. I would recommend using HubSpot. Uh, they're very uh, in terms of complexity, they're pretty simple. Um, they they build their business off of working with a, a small and medium level businesses. Um, so there's a lot of support, a lot of great content out there. Um, but keep it really simple. Um, and, and, uh, d the best thing to do, and this is true for all marketing. This is actually probably true for business and product development. Put yourself in the shoes of the customer and yeah. what, what do they expect to see when they click that button and how can you give them what they expect to see? Right. If that's off, then, then you got to make some changes. So right. I think start simple and make sure that that's true. Whatever the customer expects to see, give them that. And as long as you can keep that true, as you add more and more complexity, um, then, then you're going to be good. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and can you just define for people when you say automation, I have a number of things. It could be hmm. a chat bot experience. It could be an email sales sequence with behavioral marketing. Um, how are yeah. you looking at it? Yeah, I, it loosely defined marketing automation is, you know, the difference between sales and marketing is sales is one-to-one -one and marketing is one-to-many or I should say like advertising is one to many um, and marketing automation is trying to take that one to many approach and make it feel like it's one to one so that the person is getting uh, uh, spoken to in a way that is very customized and, and um, uh, makes sense for their particular stage of interaction with your business. So that can be through chat bots that can be through email um, uh, something that people don't do often that is actually something that's great is uh, calls to action on content should change dynamically depending on what has happened before. So for example, if you have an article talking about, uh, it doesn't matter what it's talking about, but it has as a call to action, download this, this white paper yeah. um, or this ebook. Um, if you use marketing automation, you can have smart CTAs where if they, if it knows that that person has already downloaded that ebook, then instead it says, uh, sign up for a demo or download this other ebook that we know you haven't downloaded. Huh. So having smart calls to action is, is really simple execution 
um, and saves a lot of wasted time, you know, from asking people to do something they've already done or that doesn't make sense for their particular thing. I like that. So the personalization is definitely, you know, something that we focus on too. It's, it's a great point. And actually the, the smart CTA, um, I haven't actually seen that before. What, so is that like, we use active campaign for, you know, our email sequencing and automations and it's pretty uh-huh. good with their behavioral marketing. And you mentioned HubSpot. Um, what about HubSpot do you find compelling? Like what are they, is they, can you do the smart CTAs with their software? What's the difference there? Yeah, you can. If, if you've built the CTA through HubSpot or the landing page through HubSpot, then you can do smart CTAs that will change. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I like HubSpot a lot. Um, it's not something we use. Um, we use more complex platforms typically for larger level businesses that yeah. have a more yeah. complex marketing automation cycle. But um, for the majority of businesses, HubSpot is a great, great uh, suite of tools. Okay. That's pretty cool. <laughs> um, and so 97th floor, like who's your typical client these days? Like I actually, I'm curious to know how that's evolved. Like who was your client when you started and who's your clients now? Like, has it changed or you guys had the same focus? Um, yeah. So our focus is primarily on um, more enterprise level businesses, um, a lot of B2B tech um, and then uh, B2C lifestyle fashion. Um, we have a lot in, in that uh, space as well. Okay. Um, and, and that's what we've been pretty much since I started nice and four. Um, our, our background really is, uh, in the early days, uh, there's a company called Omniture. I'm not sure if yeah. you yeah. remember Omniture. Yeah. So, um, you know, our CEO kind of was talking with Omniture and, and convinced them to let us do a test on one of their keywords. And back then we were doing primarily just SEO yeah. and, uh, the test went really well. We got their keyword to, I think spot one or two. And so, uh, based on that test, they hired us to, to do work for Omniture. And then when Omniture was acquired by Adobe, Adobe did the review of their agency and the work that we had done for Omniture and then fired their agency and hired us. So then we, we started working for Adobe and Adobe is one of those companies that people come to work for so they can get on their resume and they go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. So we did such good work for Adobe that as people came and went, they brought us with them. And so we kind of spread over to the companies that their marketing team went to after they left Adobe. And, and so uh, largely the growth of nice and floor has been organic and based off of, based on the work that we do, not based off of, really great marketing of our own brand. Um, you know, our sales team is, is really small and, uh, especially in comparison to our fulfillment. I think right. on fulfill- fulfillment, we have probably 80 people and our sales team is three people. Um, <laughs> so we rely pretty heavily on word of mouth. Um, like our clients, you know, we used to do SEO for our own brand and, and that's just like the people that we're trying to talk to, they don't go to Google when they're searching for their agency. Right. They ask, they ask their connections, you know, what's an agency I should use. And so we work on trying to be that agency that people recommend. Mm, okay. Yeah. And so when you, I guess I'm curious, uh, cause I, I always see, I see people trying to start their own, you know, agencies and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, it, it is that immediate Rolodex that can really get you off the ground, but like sooner or later, the Rolodex runs dry and <laughs> you, you've kind of yeah. gone through it and you got to start picking up cold leads. Have you guys, um, and I, I know you mentioned referrals now and you guys are obviously well-established, but there must've been a time where you had to get new clients that were cold and I'm I'm curious if there was, if anything stands out to you on how you guys approach that. 
Um, yeah, referrals still represents uh, the majority of the leads that come through tonight. Okay. Um, uh, but other things that we've tried, uh, we've, we've run some ads on LinkedIn. Um, not a lot of success there. Just the cost is pretty high and hard to get down. Um, we've run some ads on Facebook and Instagram surprisingly with a lot of success. Um, yeah, we actually just did a survey of a, of a lot of clients and uh, the vast majority uh, are pretty active on Instagram, which isn't something I would have guessed. <laughs> no, uh, that's interesting, especially clients that you go after, like the, the enterprise clients. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. You kind of think they, they'd be a little bit more maybe boring or more business focused, but <laughs> well, every, everyone loves Instagram. Everybody loves those pictures. So I guess. Uh, so. Yeah. yeah. So it's been, it's, uh, Instagram has been pretty successful for us. So that's what I would recommend trying out if you want to run some ads. Yeah. Yeah. We're big fans of Facebook it's, and Instagram. I, obviously they tie together there and mm-hmm. uh, really powerful marketing tool. Like it's just really smart and the, the depth you can take it for, you know, really getting niche is and retargeting and all that stuff is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Lookalike audiences is awesome too. Uh, yeah. It's, and you know, like we, and I love that they let you, you know, retarget so you could do like a video sequence where, you know, oh, did they watch, you know, 75% or 95% of that last video? I'm going to retarget those people. Yeah. Yeah. That's there's this other, cool. there's this other agency that I, I saw, I watched one of their videos and now I just get their videos all the time. Like <laughs> I'm definitely in their cycle of videos. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I know. It's Powerful funny. I, I watched, um, I don't know if you saw this documentary, you'd probably find it fascinating. Um, it was the great hack on Netflix. I saw I, I saw it in my uh, uh, as things to watch, but I haven't I haven't watched it. Oh my God, it's been one of these things that um, I've been talking about recently because I just saw it, so I'm bringing it up here. A little off topic, but it's interesting to say the least. And um, you know, the, my wife and I sometimes like we'll be talking about something, and then next thing you know, she'll be looking at like Facebook. Twenty minutes later, she's like. Mm. I swear to God, these microphones, they're listening to us through these microphones because I didn't go to this website, but now I see the ad and I'm like, Hmm, that is interesting. Cause I know, <laughs> I know the Facebook machine and I know all that stuff. And so I was watching this movie and you know, these companies like Cambridge Analytica, they're like, here's what they said. They're like, have you ever had the experience where, you know, you think mm. your microphone is listening to you and next thing you know, you see this ad and I was like, holy shit, this is what we were just talking about. And they're like, well, that's not actually what's happening. What's happening is we have so much personality data about you that they can predict like what you like want to talk, what you're going to be talking about and what you're thinking about. And so all yeah. of a sudden, you're getting served these things that are just predictive ads. Which, <laughs> which That's is, trippy, man. That's trippy. Yeah, I think I, we're getting to a point where technology is just outpacing the capacity of the human brain to think, frankly. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, that, yeah. like this kind of stuff is going to happen more and more. And, you know, in aggregate, we're, we're pretty predictable beings. And as long as you have enough data and it's the right data, you can kind of guess what we're going to be doing next. And yeah. that's, that is scary. It's, it's creepy because, you know, what, 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 what the, the whole point of this documentary was, they were showing like so much data is being used without your consent to do things that we will never understand. Like they yeah. basically Cambridge Analytica came out and they're like, yeah, we made Brexit happen. We made Donald Trump happen. And they explained how it worked and what they did. And when you see it, you're just like, whoa, did not even have a clue about that. <laughs> That's crazy, man. It yeah, is. I gotta check that out. I gotta check that out. 
I, yeah, it's definitely worth it's. I think you would really be fascinated by it. And now it's just like, so what is real anymore? What is being mass manipulated and what's actually real? Yeah. I, I mean, I, there are so many times when I'm on even LinkedIn, like on LinkedIn, uh, Oh man, this is going to get into a weird story, but like sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll see this debate that's raging on LinkedIn and, and I'll follow someone down the rabbit hole and be like, Oh, I'm pretty sure this is a fake account. Like they're not endorsed by anybody. They don't have any like experience or anything like that seems like this is a real profile, but they're just like stirring stuff up. Yeah. Uh, seem yeah. Pretty crazy. Uh, I, we actually at nice and floor, we have a, a day called black hat day that we do every Halloween. <laughs> it's the week, but it's the week before Halloween. And basically everyone brings their like dirtiest, sneakiest online trick that they can yep. figure out, you know, not with the idea that we're ever going to actually do it at nice and floor. But I think it keeps people sharp and kind of aware of like what is possible out there when you have the right sets of data. Oh, and, yeah. Um, what my, my hack last year was to create a fake LinkedIn profile. And uh, she, I made her a, a recruiter at Ogilvy. And so she's connected with CEOs like all over the United States. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's crazy. And it's just like a total fake account. I pulled, I pulled two images and I combined them to make a, a, a profile image. And then I just pulled pieces of other people's experience and made this fake profile. that looks super legit. And because she's a recruiter, like people hit her up and connect with her like all every day I get like 10 to 20 LinkedIn requests. Her profile is wow. bigger than my profile. Wow. Yeah. It's nuts. That and I was, nuts. I was just playing around. Like I wasn't, I'm not, I don't do anything with it. I just, it just exists. Sure. Like, sure. I was, sure. Trying to, <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to do something like that was easy. It was easy to build that up. Too like, easy, man. Do that in mass. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. I did uh, want to, you know, we'll wrap up here in a minute. I want to be respectful of your time. Um, no, I, I love did, this. this is awesome. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, well, one of the things they mentioned is like, you know, when they have this, like when they have a campaign of any kind, like something going on, they will have like a whole warehouse of um, people who create those types of accounts. And like in an instance that they were referencing here, they're like, there was literally like, a million and a half, like 1.5 million budget going in that monthly 1.5 million a month being pumped in to trolling accounts to shift mm. and combat like things that were going on with misinformation. I believe so, like, it. all these fake accounts are made and all these fake websites and all this stuff is put together as a complete manipulation machine, which is, and, and they know like what happened, like Cambridge Analytica is like, well, we have 5,000 data points on every American and we isolated everyone that we, we called the persuadables and they have this huge bucket of persuadables. And then they would run these crazy campaigns that would just constantly push people to believe certain things so that they would vote their way. <laughs> it's like, Oh, oh my yeah. God. Holy and God. Um, yeah, like one other quick example, and I, I don't want to spoil too much, but like they would, this is what really impressed me. They were in like another area for an election and there was a two different populations and they knew one population of, and they were going after kids and they're like, so we can't talk about politics because kids don't care, but they do like to get behind movements and they react to things. So they came up with this thing called the do this campaign and they would make it this thing about like, 
oh, like, I'm not going to vote. I'm going against the man and blah, blah, blah. And so they knew that one population of kids, they would stick to it and they wouldn't vote and they wanted that to happen. But the other population, which was like another race, like uh, just to be clear, they Uh said, well, we know that they listen to their parents and their parents are going to tell them you better vote and they know who they're going to vote for. So now they got the one side to not vote and then they got the other side to vote. (laughs) It was incredible. Wow. Wow. That's sophisticated. That's That's sophisticated marketing on a very mass scale and you don't even know what's happening. I would love to see somebody start a a social platform that requires like some kind of identification. I mean like Coinbase can do it. Like get get something where it's like only you can have that profile and you are verified who you say you are uh, and then not let anyone else in. Like I, I think we, I think that'd be so much healthier. It probably would be. I'm, and I'm surprised we don't see things like that. I'm wondering if naturally these types of things will start surfacing just because of the environmental circumstances of what's going on. It does seem like the market's right for something like that. <laughs> Why don't you get on that? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I, we should, yeah, I should do that. <laughs> this is my next business idea. Yeah. You know, everybody complains about the changes, you know, Instagram makes about um, the way they're running the feeds and, you know, the organic traffic on Facebook and all these things. And I'm always wondering, like, well, if you want things like where you, you see every post like chronologically, right? Well, mm-hmm. why don't you create a platform and test that out and see, like, maybe you'll get all those people that would much prefer to have that. And nobody's yeah. doing it, though. Yeah, I think people are just scared of that. Like, I think we're obvi- we're often fed that message of, you know, you want to enter a market where no one else is, where you're going to have no competition. But I don't think that's that's necessarily the wisest thing. You know, so many people are just tired of uh, their current selection of of social media. I think there's still room for other platforms. You know what? And that's, that I think you're a hundred percent right. Cause at the end of the day, you always feel like it's too saturated too whatever. But I think that when you see it over and over again, like there's, you can, someone else will start something sooner or later and then you'll go, Oh, I guess there is, I guess you can start yeah. something else. There's always like a niche you can carve out. Oh yeah. Well, and plus as humans, like we're so attracted to new and, and something that's novel. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and like, how old is Facebook? I mean, freak, I started, I started Facebook back when only college students were allowed to be in Facebook, you know, like yeah. that is old. <laughs> That's like, I'm ready. I'm ready to get off. I would love to get off if I, if I didn't have to be on for like other reasons, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, is there things you don't like about Facebook at this point? Uh, I'm not a fan of all the, uh, all the breaches, all the data security, like, yeah, yeah, that was, I mean, they got, they got hacked, man. And that was, yeah, that was a big, that was a big to do for sure. I'm, and I'm surprised because obviously they, they, they should have pretty tough firewalls and all that stuff, but, um, and they did step it up. Now they got all this like two-step authorization and all these other things going on, which was a real pain in the ass, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'd love to see, I'd love to see someone marry the idea of Facebook and Instagram and YouTube in the sense of, you know, like with Facebook, we're, we're selling their, our data, like we're the product, right? Uh, yeah. At least on YouTube, the creators get some cut of what's going on. Why, why isn't that true on Facebook? Like why, why don't Instagram influencers or creators get a cut of the ad revenue that Instagram gets from them producing content? I think, you know, that's that I think there's an opportunity there. 
That's a good question. Um, and the platforms are, well, Facebook at least is getting more and more complicated. And I, I have noticed that when new platforms like this come up that are like, hey, only the cool kids know about it, they, the simplicity of it is something that people tend to really like. So if you have something that's yeah. very simple and just like it has like a very singular focus, <laughs> um, yeah. people yeah. tend to like that. Yeah. Well, I, ho- I hope one of your listeners is a developer and, and uh, does something awesome. <laughs> from- I know. I wish I, you know, I always tried to get into learning development and I'm just, I'm far more of a front end like designer and creator, but as far as the coding and stuff, I just have a hard time wrapping my head around it all. Yeah. I've always said uh, like our, our kids, when, when we get old, our kids are going to tell stories to their kids about us and say like, my grandpa did this and he didn't even know how to code. <laughs> Similar to how we say stuff about like people way in the past, like this guy didn't even know how to read and he did this. Like, isn't that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know when you were born, but I, I was born in 79. So I'm, I'm, I'm sharing my age here, but I always <laughs> say to people, I'm like, listen to my, my friends. I'm like, we're probably the last generation that will ever know what it is to drive with a hard copy map or <laughs> oh, <laughs> not yeah. have the yeah. internet. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Right. So, I mean, we're getting close to the end of combustion engine cars. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not, not a long time. Like our kids are going to look back and say, I remember when you guys had a, a, a gasoline car. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I can't believe you were burning gas every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sounds, so, sounds so prehistoric and caveman-like. Yeah. There's a lot of talk about those Tesla cars. So it's, um, you know, talk about a great marketer and a great entrepreneur. This is a guy who just has this, He's a great storyteller. He has a story that everybody wants to be part of and he's really good at leaning into it and kind of like, he doesn't care. He's like, he's gone bankrupt multiple times. And I, I forget what book I was reading about him. And he's like, yeah, you know, I went bankrupt and I wasn't worried. So I started PayPal with some people and made my money back so I can fund yeah. my next idea. <laughs> yeah. I, I like him a lot. He's uh, he's a cool guy. And I think that, that, um, that idea of storytelling you know, that's, that's what marketing is at its core. And, and that will never change. What works with SEO now won't work in the future. PPC will different. It will be different. Some, some, at some time in the future, Facebook will be gone and all of that changes from day to day. But what will never change is that humans love stories. And as long as you can tell a good story, you will be successful in marketing and in business. That's, that's the art form. That's, that's the golden standard is, is being able to tell a story and incite action from telling a story. And he is just so good at that. 100% agree. I think that's a great, a great note that we can wrap up on because it was perfect. And I always say that too. I'm like the tactics change and there's certain things that change all the time, but there's other marketing principles and fundamentals that are just so deeply rooted in our human, you know, wiring and behavior that stuff like storytelling you, that's a skill that you want to master because it, it can make or break your business. Yeah, for sure. Well, Paxton, I really appreciate it, man. That was a fun conversation and uh, yeah. let's give a shout out and you know, people, I mean, you know, I know you work with enterprises, but guys, you want to check out uh, Paxton, what they're doing over at 97th floor. It's a 90 actual, the number 97 TH, so 97th floor.com. You can see what they're up to. And there's a cool video of Paxton on there. Um, and Paxton, yeah, maybe we can get that link to that template and we'll uh, share that in our show notes and put it up on the site for people. Yeah. Yeah. I'll send it over. You can watch that video and download that template. You, and you're okay with us including that there. I just want to make sure you're cool with that. Yep. Yeah, for sure. 
Okay. Awesome, man. Um, all right. Well, listen, appreciate your time and good luck with everything. Sounds like you're doing some really exciting stuff. And um, listen, if you're in Miami, um, open for a cup of coffee if you're around. Awesome. Sounds great. All right, man. Take care. Appreciate it. That's all for this all right. episode. Bye. Your next step is to join the Change Creator Revolution by downloading our interactive digital magazine app for premium content, exclusive interviews, and more ways to stay on top of your game. Available now on iTunes and Google Play. Or visit changecreatormag.com. We'll see you next time where money and meaning intersect right here at the Change Creator Podcast. Change Creator Revolution.